Hello, I'm Ant. And I'm Ian. And this is Two Brit Gamers. Yes, indeed, this is Two Brit Gamers. We are two British people who like to game. We may not necessarily be any good at it, but we like to do it. And now we're going to talk about it for your listening pleasure. Yes, we've got to the point in our lives where we're bored of listening to our own voices, so we're going to uh, put this on you guys now. So, a, a little bit about us, to begin with. We're both in our mid to late... 30s, unfortunately. There's no mid, it's just late 30s now. Well, yes, it is. And uh, we've both been gaming for the vast majority of that time span. So we have a varied knowledge of video games. And what the idea of this podcast is to kind of give you an idea of what we like in gaming and to talk about it as what we like. And hopefully you can interact with us and tell us your feelings and we can talk about that as well. Um, we can tell you how you're wrong and how we're right. Indeed, and of course we are always right in every way, shape or form. You may provide facts and figures to actually show that we're wrong, but we are still right. And to prove how right we are, this first episode, not these first two episodes, are going to be going back over our history with gaming as we look at the last six generations of consoles and our top three games from each generation. So everyone that is probably going to listen to a podcast will probably not have played any games from the first two generations, at least, because that was, like, late 80s, early 90s. It was, back in the time when everything was in sepia tone. So, as we mentioned, we're going to start off by going through our our console history, starting off with the late 80s to early 90s, where we had the NES, the Master System, the Commodore 64, when everything was in 8-bit, and it still looked as good as it does in our memories. It does. Um, But we... We're not going to go back any further than that. One, because that's probably not really classed as a console anyway. And two, I can't remember that far back. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we begin? We shall begin. Take us away. Uh, Okay, so uh, what I'll do is I'm going to do my list. And then would you like to do your list and then we'll discuss the lists? Or do you want me to just do my list and we can discuss? We'll do one generation at a time. You start with your list. Okay. And then so to- I'm going to do mine, so we'll go reverse orders, and this is my top three. So at number three is the original Super Mario Brothers. Just to clarify, this is back in the NES Master yes. System C64 days. Yes, I, I've not got anything from the Commodore 64. To be fair, I've not got anything from the Master System. I didn't own it. No, no, not, not many people did own the Master no. System. To be fair, not no. many people in the country owned a NES. I did. You did? You, you, owned, you were one of the, the one presenters? Yes. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, so mine are actually all from the NES. Okay. The, the very popular Nintendo Entertainment System. For me, it was the king. <laughs> I've recently just brought one. Yes, and a Lego one, I believe. And the Lego version, <laughs> yes. Much to my wife's disdain. <laughs> Bless her, she's very patient. So, I, I do have a couple of honourable mentions here, and again, these are NES games. I'll start with the honourable mentions of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Ooh. Yes. The, re- the original bugger to complete. In fact, <laughs> I never did. But it was just, it was a great game. I was a Turtles fan as a kid and just loved that game. And there was also a game on the NES called Snake, Rattle and Roll. I've heard of it. I don't think I've yes, ever actually so played it. was it. a snake that had to climb a mountain. And the further you went along, the more you wet, your tail got longer. Kind of think of Snake on, on a mobile game, but, but much more complicated. But with verticality. Yes. Cool. Um, and a massive foot that tried to stomp on you. It was weird, but he, he, seriously, check it out. It was a great little game. Great very, little very like, relatable. Platformer. Very relatable. 
Uh, so my top three, um, the original game, the very first game I ever played on a console is my number three, which is the original Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers ah. 1. Um, now, I've included here the Duck Hunt version as well, because <clears throat> Duck Hunt was just a great little add-on with the, with the light very gun. True. They, yes. they, did, they did throw them in together in one cartridge, yeah. didn't so they? That, that, was, that was the Nintendo's launch game in... Uh, I, I've tried to do dates for these uh, to, to tell so the listeners kind of get a game, they can feel old as they so, listen. So, to do, it. do you want to tell us these dates, or will it make us all far uh, too? It's depressed? probably going to make us feel all far too depressed. But it was a launch game, and it was launched in May 1987. Wow! I was a whole four years old, five years old. That's good. Well, tell, I was born in tell May. Tell the truth. So. No, I was born in May, so <laughs> I'm not sure which. I've got the exact dates. I've just got May, so I might, I might have been four, I might have been five. So yeah, Mario and Duckin for number three. Number two, I've kind of, I've split this into two games. I, and it's the first and second game of uh, of a uh, story. So it's Castlevania and then Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest because I played them both. Uh, very much one of the first games I played, and it was like a continuation of the story. Yeah, but it was just. I loved the Castlevania games. It was one of the first games. That and the Mario Brothers were the first games I played on, on the Nintendo. And that was what turned me on from not really being a gamer to, oh, I like this. This is nice. <laughs> um, and that was, uh, Castlevania was 1988. And Simon's Quest was 1990 uh, for the EU release. I've tried to get the EU release dates because <laughs> apparently they all came out in Japan like years before. Castlevania came out in 1984 in Japan. Wow. Yeah, so um, we didn't get it for like four years later. And number one, I've put... Mario is it going to be two games again? No, no, no. Okay, is, that's cool. I, so, okay, uh, listeners, he's not cheating anymore. I'm not... Okay, okay, I'll just put Castlevania. I'll scrap Simon's Quest. Simon's Quest was a brilliant little game. It was like a proper thing with saves, and it was proper, like, RPG aspect to it, where you had to go around and collect stuff, and you had, like, a really, really long password thing so you save files, and it was brilliant. But, okay, no, I'll, I'll scrap that. I'll just put that... I'll put that on my own mentions, then. Balls to you. And, um... <laughs> My number one, Super Mario Brothers 3. Mario, but you could fly. It was amazing. You could wear a raccoon suit and take to the skies. That's the one. And a hammer suit. And it was just amazing. And I loved that game. That was uh, August 91. So not long before the Super Nintendo came out, which obviously will be the next generation. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely brilliant game. My my, my number one in that console generation, Super Mario Brothers 3. Nice. All-time classic. Yes. Go on then, Mr. Ian. So going back on this uh, journey through my memory was probably even harder for me than it was for you as I'm like a few months younger than you. So obviously I can remember far, far less about these things. <laughs> I said that the older one of us has the better memory, apparently. <laughs> well, you live through these things. So already we, we have a match on our list as, as my number three is Duck Hunt. Now obviously back then in the 80s, it was amazing enough that you had these little pixels on a screen that could move around. They may take half an hour to actually load up, but once they did, you could control them for the five minutes until the cassette tape ruined itself and you had to try and start the game again. A game where you could suddenly hold a a gun in your hand, even a fake toy plastic gun, and shoot the TV without destroying a TV, and instead shooting some pixelated ducks whilst a dog laughs at you, was truly a watershed moment. It was that dog. He was just the original dick of gaming. (laughs) He's the one you're not supposed to shoot, but everyone ended up aiming for eventually, because all he did was mock you relentlessly when you failed. And we have enough of that in life. So yes, Duck Hunt hit number three for me. Uh, number two on my list was Gauntlet. 
back on the old Commodore 64, this was probably one of the earliest examples of a cooperative game where essentially me, my brothers, my cousin, we could all sit around the Commodore 64 controlling one character each. Uh, I think I was quite regularly the other warrior because I got to throw axes at stuff and who doesn't want to do that in this day and age? Uh, regularly having to put up with an elf that needed food. It was, like I said, the, the, the very earliest, well, maybe not the earliest, but one of the earliest games where you could play alongside other people rather than against them. And so coming to my number one game, now this may shock a lot of you to hear this, it's uh, Super Mario Brothers. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is a game that has absolutely stood the test of time. Playing it a few months back, it is still as tight to control as ever. It is still a fantastic bit of gaming history. Even down to the point, like we said, you can turn into a raccoon which flies, which makes perfect sense, don't question it. You can jump inside a giant green boot, which lets you also leap on people's heads for some reason, or turn into a statue. Frog suit? With the, uh, the, the way jumped the frog suit gave you? Frog suit as well, yes. But no, it was, it was an absolute stone-cold classic. It introduced us properly to the, the full Cooper family. This was the first game to feature the Cooper kids. It was. How many names can you remember of the Cooper kids, Ant? Iggy. Yeah. Lemmy. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there's a Von Cooper. Is there? Nope. Morton, one of them. Morton is one of them, yes. Uh, there's one girl, Wendy. Wendy, oh yeah, yeah, there is Ludwig von Cooper. No, well, yeah, he's not called von Cooper. He's just called. Ludwig. He was originally, if I remember. That's why I'm thinking it was ah. von in it. It might have changed for Mario World, or it might have changed the other way for Mario World. But um, yeah, I'm sure it was Ludwig von Cooper to begin with. Well, we shall look this stage. up on the internet yeah. later on, folks. We shall. That's we shall why clarify I had a von in my head. <laughs> uh, so I've got Iggy Lemmy. Uh, Ludwig, Wendy, Morton. Yeah, two left. I might struggle with the rest. Larry. Larry. And Roy. And Roy. But do you know how they got those names? No, go on. No? Oh. See, this, this is where I break out the trivia now, folks. This... You, you're going <laughs> to notice one of us is a trivia fan and one of us is less boring. I will sit on Wikipedia for hours and fill my brain with useless knowledge. <laughs> But no, they were actually all named after different singers, different members of bands. So Larry was named after Larry Mullen, the drummer from U2. Roy, Roy Orbison, Iggy. Pop. Iggy Pop. I can only think of one Lemmy, and that's Lemmy Kilmeister. Yep. Uh, Ludwig, obviously Ludwig van Beethoven. Now, Morton was named after a guy called Morton Downey Jr. who I've never heard of. Apparently he had an early music career and then went on to a talk show in California, so... No, very obscure individual there. And finally, Wendy O was Wendy O. Williams from the Plasmatics, who were a kind of shock rock group back in the, I believe, the 80s. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take your book off you, and in the second podcast, I'm going to test you on and see which ones you can remember. <laughs> How dare you take my precious notes away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that is our NES Master System. Commodore 64. With no Master System games. With no Master System games. For an honourable mention, I would actually throw in Alex Kidd in Miracle World, the game that was built into the Master System. Nice early example of a kind of action platformer where he went around punching people with a giant fist. I'm pretty sure one of my cousins had a Master System, and I'm pretty sure the only things I ever played were Alex the Kid and probably the original Sonic. But yeah, I was always a Nintendo boy. 
Fair enough. Especially in those days. <laughs> I do venture into a Mega Drive later on, which is where we're venturing now. Indeed, take us into the future. So I'm, I'm going a little bit more into the future. So now we're heading into the early 90s. I don't have the release date for the um, the Mega Drive, but I know oh, you're the... You're looking around 1990, 91? Yeah, the, the Super Nintendo was April uh, 1992. And like, the reason I remember this is um, my little sad fact about the Super Nintendo. There was only, Where I'm from is a, a lovely little place called Nottingham in the UK. Um, anyone who knows where Robin Hood is from knows it's roughly the same place. And it still is lawless. <laughs> yes. And uh, there was one store in Nottingham that, that had uh, Super Nintendos in stock on the release date. They came out on Easter Tuesday. And um, I got mine on the Thursday, two days later. And the store had 100 in stock, and I brought the 98th. So I had the 98th Super Nintendo in Nottingham. I'd like to say it's a claim to fame, but it's absolutely worthless <laughs> in any kind of sense. But I, I, that, uh, Super Mario World and Super Soccer, were what I, I purchased on that day. I mean, I was 10 years old, so... Yeah, you, I'm very sure you must have saved all the money for a long, long time to be able to purchase that, yeah. that SNES. Uh, <laughs> hello to my dad, who drove me there and brought it for me. <laughs> um, so we're going for Super Nintendo. I'm putting in honorable mentions. I've just mentioned it, actually. Super Mario World, launch game for the console. First game I think I ever 100 percented All 96 levels. Wow. All exits. And of course, now you're at the point where you can complete the game in 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not proper speedrunner territory because I, I've watched the speedruns of Super Mario World. You can actually complete the game in about uh, a minute and a half, if that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's some kind of cheat where you get Yoshi to eat something in a particular order, and it skips you straight to the credit scene. <laughs> it's it's crazy. But, Getting the most out. But of the game. I, I I can do start to kill Bowser in under 20 minutes. We did this at uh, the big EGX event in Birmingham a couple of years ago. Didn't he did I? indeed, and uh, apologies, ladies, he has already taken. No, it's one of my one of my great achievements that I complete that game that quickly, and uh, we we I even had a little bit of crowd watching me. Well, you had me. There were other people watching me. There <laughs> yeah, was no, no, least, it's true. It's there was true. at least three of us sweaty gigs behind <laughs> us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a game I I like a lot. Uh, so I'm putting that in as honourable mention because the three above it are, well, it was tight between my honourable mention and number three, and I'm I'm pretty sure you've gone the same way as me somewhere on this list. Okay. But I, I've gone Sonic three and Knuckles as two cartridges in one. As not, he's going to say I'm cheating again with having two games at the same time. It's possible that's on my list as well, so I'm going to let that one slide. Okay, you'll let that one slide. <laughs> so this is the first branch out from Nintendo I've got on this list. And the reason is, I've put it slightly above Mario because it was just something different. I'd been Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and this was like my first venture out into non-Nintendo land. And I just love the game, love the colours, love the... It's a platformer, but it's slightly different to Mario. It was new, new way of playing a game. You were looking more at speed than possibly less skill um, to complete the game. It was... Uh, I love the game. Uh, I, I love the story. I love the fact it was like a continued story if you had two cartridges together. Becoming Supersonic was amazing. I just... I liked it. So I, I, it's it's tight because it was really close between me and Mario World and Sonic <laughs> and Knuckles for me. But Just mark this moment in history, folks. A Nintendo fan just put Sonic ahead of Mario. Well, no. Because a <laughs> <at> number two <laughs> is... Probably the game I've spent most of my childhood on, 
uh, Mario Kart. Beautiful. The Super Nintendo Mario Kart. So this was January 93. So I was 11. And it is one of my all-time favourite games. I spent hours on it. Me on my own, me with my brother, me with my cousin. It's all we did to try and beat the game and get all the trophies on 150cc was just... It, it was just... I spent so much time on that game. That was my childhood well spent. For that up until N64 days were just yep. just that game. I can completely empathise with that, having done similar with the latest Mario Kart. Yeah. I got obsessed. Yeah, I mean, less so with the later Mario Karts. I mean, that and the N64 one, Mario Kart 64, I, those two I, I played so much. And the later ones I, I played far less of, but... Yeah, my childhood was Mario Kart, mostly. Just so much time on it. Um, the reason it's not number one is because it's not necessarily my favourite game, but my favourite game is only one player, so I couldn't play this with brothers or cousins or family or whatever. Unless you um, force them to watch, of course. Well, yeah, you know, I, I did that a lot. I did that a lot. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, my brother was six years younger than me, so... Uh, so he didn't have a say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at... I was like 10, 11 when this came out, so he was like four, so at this stage, it didn't necessarily matter as much. But uh, <laughs> The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, is my number one. This was kind of the game changer for me gaming i went from my initial introduction to the, the nes was my aunt had one and uh, i played that and then i borrowed that for a little bit of time and then my dad got me one and i loved playing it and i'd, I'd spend a lot of time on it and then we went to the super nintendo so i had the super nintendo in april 92 i got zelda may 93 i brought it for my birthday with an extra controller it was a turbo pad as well. It was the first time I'd had a, a turbo pad, which was great being able to chop stuff really fast. I could just put <laughs> one button on sword swipe really fast. It was brilliant. The, the rooms where you had all the tiles coming at you, just so easy to just stand in one place and just let it do it for you. Link on Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. it was, uh, okay, I'm admitting I, I, maybe, uh, I maybe tried to use hacks at the time. And I don't really approve of it nowadays. So early early 90s hacks. Yes, early AKA 90s AKA Mad Cat's control. But it was just, it was the game changer for me. I went from, I like video games to I love video games. And Zelda, the story, the lore. Obviously, there'd been the two games before, which I had played, hadn't completed. I know they were really tough. And then I went to this. And I, I didn't put it down from start to finish. I got to the point where I was stuck in one of the castles and ran Club Nintendo for a hint. This is how much I love oh, this game. Man, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was there, a there was a phone. There was a phone number you had to dial. Yeah, like Nintendo Power or something yeah. wasn't there to get. Yeah, I was a member. I had the, <laughs> I had the badge. Um, I rang them up. I did it for my dad's place of work because it was like a premium rate number. So my dad let me do it. He, I went and met him from work one day. I somewhere. I was at his workplace. So I rang them from his work, and I was on the phone for like trying to explain how to do this this puzzle in one of the, the castles and uh, the lady on the phone helped me and I went back home rushed onto Zelda and that was it and yeah completed the game that night it was uh, it was amazing I loved that game so much so I begged my dad to let me call a premium rate number to help me complete it and of course, you can kind of track the civili- the uh, the progress of civilization by how we get our cheats. I mean, initially it was calling a premium rate number, then it was standing in front of a judgmental, digitized version of Patrick Moore. Yes. And now we have the internet, and all of our problems have been solved. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for the Googles now. Patrick Moore would have been sick of us. He this would point, have. Yeah. He would have. 
But yeah, so that's my list. It's, it's, my games are all close, but that is pretty much a good five years of my childhood in those four games. <laughs> so, yeah, there's me. No, that's that's fair enough. So, unlike yourself, I was a pure Mega Drive kid Ooh, back in the day. <laughs> Rebel. Rebel. Yeah, right. I remember. Uh, I remember getting a, a Mega Drive for Christmas on, I believe it was 1991, with a copy of Sonic the Hedgehog and Altered Beast. Nice. One of them a timeless classic, the other one Altered Beast. <laughs> I'm taking Altered Beast hasn't made your list, then. No, it hasn't, even though it may have had Elmer Fudd telling you to wise from your grave at the start of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I... Were you, I, I, were I you a waspy wabbit? <laughs> One of the few animals you couldn't turn into in that game. But no, um, so obviously my list is going to differ from yours quite a bit. Um, I will start off with my honourable mentions, so I have a few here for it. Uh, so again, likewise, Mario World has not made my list because it wasn't there for me at the time. I have played it since. It was a great game. I have enjoyed it. But at the time, no. Uh, F-Zero. Oh, I F-Zero. absolutely loved F-Zero. Probably one of my favourite racing game series, and I'm still waiting for a new one to come out. I, I'm not sure whether I've told you this before. I've never actually played F-Zero. And that's You're the end looked- of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should go and get it for the. In fact, is it on the, the, the Nest Mini? If um, it's on the Nest Mini, I can crack it out and I can. Uh, well, for one thing, it's on a SNES. Uh, SNES Mini. <laughs> SNES Mini. But it's, it's also on the uh, Nintendo Switch Super Nintendo Virtual Console. Yeah, but that means I've got to buy it. I mean. Oh, there's Virtual Console. Oh, yeah. no, I've got that then. Okay, I can play it. <laughs> we'll okay. cut that. We'll cut okay. that in the recording. Yes. Have I been spending money for this podcast? <laughs> How dare you! Uh, yes, okay, so I, I've got a version of F-Zero that I can't currently play. Then, of course, there was the Mighty Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage. One of the greatest soundtracks in gaming history. Now, again, I, I don't think I've ever played the original one, but I know we had Streets of Rage 2 on the Mega Drive, so I, I know I've played a lot of Streets of Rage 2. And any three of those games will, will count in this, to be fair. They are all absolutely tremendous. And finally, for my honourable mentions, Bomberman. Bomberman? Bomberman was and probably still is one of my favourite multiplayer games. Yeah, I, I, can, I can get behind that. Definitely had Bomber, uh, Bomberman on the SNES. The simplicity of just walking around that square grid, dropping bombs, walking off again like it's absolutely nothing. Killing yourself by accident. Accidentally you killing yourself. yourself, yeah, especially when you had the speed shoes on, you ran a little bit too far. But no, I, I absolutely adored that game, and yet it did not make my top three. So what did? Well, what did? You've got a lot of honourable mentions there. I've got a lot of honourable mentions. I'm going to add a little bit more into the honourable mentions in a moment, though. Okay. We shall come back. Yes, I think we should. (laughs) So, number three for me, from the Mega Drive era, as I shall always remember it, Super Street Fighter 2. Now, Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition was probably the first fighting game I ever owned, at least the first proper fighting game I owned, and I absolutely fell in love with that game. When they then decided to tell us that here's the game again, but with four more characters, of course I wanted to own that game. And it also introduced one of my favourite characters in that fighting franchise as well, which is Kami. And not for the reasons you're thinking of, mainly because essentially her style of play of standing on one side of the screen and being able to shoot across it without being E-Honda was one of my favourite features of that game. It's, it's one of those things where, with a fighting game, it's meant to be two-player. Yeah, I could sit there for hours and play through that arcade mode. It was horribly difficult, but I was young enough and had the reflexes at the time to be able to complete it. So, you say you like Kami. 
Yes. But of the original Street Fighter 2, who was your main? The original Street Fighter 2, I would probably have to say E-Honda. For oh. similar screen-flying abilities and the fact you could just mash the punch button and get a special move out of it. Nice. I was a Guile user. Ooh. Yeah. Bit of Jean-Claude Van Damme action for you. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, yeah, I was a bit of a Guile user. Also used Chun-Li a bit. Solid choice for Chun-Li. Yeah. With the realistic ability of flipping upside down and spinning your legs to kill people. Spinning bird. That's the one. <laughs> oh, yes. So number two for me was Micro Machines 96. Again, a absolute favourite multiplayer game of mine. Uh, this was the version, I believe, that introduced the J-Cart, which had two controller ports in the top, so you could have four-player without having to buy some form of multi-tap. Yes, still had to buy the extra pads, but... Oh, yeah, obviously. But, uh, again, again, this is one I didn't own, but my cousin had it when they had their Mega Drive, so um, yeah, I, I have played it, and they, they had the version with the extra... Yep, and you can, make your own, you can make your own tracks as well, which, again, you could then learn expertly yourself and then tell the people it's a brand new track you've just made let's give it a go yes some people may call that cheating i call it tactics nice but number one for me from that generation it's already been mentioned and it's sonic 3 and knuckles oh, hey. <laughs> my number three is your number one absolutely quite possibly my favorite platforming game of all time uh, like you said, it was originally in two different parts. Uh, so originally Sonic 3 and then Sonic and Knuckles. They um, they released Sonic 3, I think, in February 94. And then Sonic and Knuckles came around October, November that year. Uh, it's, essentially, they, they had to split it into two games due to limits of cartridge size and the fact that they needed to get a game out in early 1994. Even individually, they were great games, but sticking them together just made them something absolutely special. Uh, not not just in terms of gameplay, but the soundtrack as well was absolutely incredible. I mean, levels like Ice Cap Zone, Flying Battery are permanently lodged in my memory whenever I need to bring up gaming music. It's also one of those widely known bits of trivia that Michael Jackson was involved in the creation of the soundtrack for Sonic 3. Yep. And you can hear some of those beats from um, Smooth Criminal in Ice Cap Zone. The ending credits music ended up becoming Stranger in Moscow, a song he released later on that year. I can't remember which one of the two games it is, but what's the one where you're in the, like the uh, with the fruit machines? So, oh, Casino Night Zone. Yeah. That, that'll be uh, number f- uh, number three. That's very Michael Jackson orientated on the Bit music of Carnival Night, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, not Casino Night, Carnival Night. Let's get Carnival. that one right. That, that's, also the, uh, that's also the level where most people actually quit that game because there is a section in it where you stood on top of a drum and you try jumping on it, it doesn't really go anywhere. Oh, you've got to press it up and down. It never explained anywhere that you have to press up and down in a rhythm on the controller to make it move, and so people just ended up quitting. <laughs> yes. But even despite that, I absolutely adored Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites, one I still regularly revisit today. And and like you said earlier, it was that the, the fact they managed to smash two games together, you saw... Supersonic that you had from Sonic 2, but then if you had both games together, you got to find Hypersonic, you got Super Tails. These were things that kids could only make up in the playground because their dad worked at Sega and would tell them about these things. And then, of course, you could slot Sonic 2 on top of the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge and play through that as Knuckles. Could Sonic 1 as well, couldn't you? It was Sonic 1 and basically any other game. You pop that on top and it gave you a randomised uh, special stage. So the old uh, like globes you had to run around picking up the orbs. 
but yeah, it was obviously at that time it was a technological marvel for uh, for twelve year old Ian to look at. Yep. But uh, but no, I utterly adored that game. I will go back and play it many more times again. I suspect. Good, good. There we go. Back so that's our uh, era of the uh, SNES and Mega Drive. Indeed. You notice there was no like Atari or anything in there. No, no, I don't think either of us really had any kind of a. Uh, was the Jaguar that age group? I think the, it was, wasn't it? So the, the Jaguar kind of, I believe it came in around about the end of the Mega Drive early PlayStation yeah. era. One of my friends had a uh, Atari Jaguar with like two games and then got rid of it. Because that's about all you could afford. If yeah, you just bought much. an Atari Jaguar, yes. Yeah, and then we're also looking, this would have been the age roughly of the uh, 3DO and the CDI, which again, we've completely grazed over. Yeah, I mean, we, we could give an honourable mention to the Legend of Zelda Philips CDI games, couldn't yes. we? <laughs> uh, let's not do that. Let, let's never talk of those games wa- again. The Wand of Gamelon. <laughs> I believe one of them is called. Indeed, and the other one I care not this to free. remember. Oh, God, really? Yeah, there's three. Two where you link, and one where you play Zelda. Okay. Zelda saves Link. I can't remember what that one's called. To be fair, considering how much of an arsehole Link was in the blooming Wands of Gamelon, I don't think I'd want to particularly save him. No. I'd leave him to rot, personally. No. Also, did you ever see the animated series of uh, The Legend of Zelda? Well, excuse me, princess. Yes, that's the one. (laughs) Link was a complete arse in that as well. With that infamous scene where he puts a bomb under his shield and flies off into the horizon. Yes. (laughs) It's like Link is silent in every Nintendo game pretty much ever. Yep. And now he won't shut up and all he wants to do is bed the princess. <laughs> oh, so that's some of the more sordid parts of uh, Legend of Zelda history, but uh, we, we shall move on to hopefully happier times as we look now at the PlayStation, the Saturn and the N64. Yes. So I, I'll begin, as I have done with the last two, um, because I've seen your list for this and I know it goes on quite a while, so I'll get mine over Short and sweet. Prepare for that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I've gone... So, so yeah, this covers N64, Saturn, PS1. Now, I was a Saturn and N64 boy to begin with. I did have a PS1, but I came late to the game to the PS1. And I can't stand Crash Bandicoot. I've never liked a Crash Bandicoot <laughs> game. So, we're going to skip over the, the PlayStation. All my games are... N64 and Saturn. Okay, well, I'll, in fact, I will pick up the slack on the PlayStation. Yeah, I thought worry. you might do. <laughs> um, in fact, my top three are all uh, N64 games. Um, I'm going... My honourable mention is Sega Rally. Um, when I had my Saturn, I loved Sega Rally. It was an amazing game. Uh, really short. I mean, there's only four levels and three cars, but loved the game. Loved the game. Played it for hours. Could not complete the game using an automatic transmission, so I had to learn how to play a manual transition racing game and finally was able to win. And um, then you were finally allowed in a real car. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the age difference between me playing Sega Rally and the, the year I got that's, that's my driver's fair. license of many years different. But you can certainly credit the game for you getting that license. Well, yes, I'd like to say so. Um, so I, I'm going to start. Now, two and three... Um, pretty close. I actually really couldn't decide ah. which way I wanted to put them. So I, I've just written them in an order. GoldenEye as number three. Excellent choice. Yeah. Really, obviously Mario Kart is a multiplayer game, but the, the first like proper four-player multiplayer game. Uh, one of my good friends from school who lived around the corner from my secondary school 
had an N64 and GoldenEye, and we went there a lot of lunch times and played four-player slappers only. No odd jobs. Yeah, no odd jobs. Um, <laughs> or Golden Gun. It's just a great multiplayer game. It was a great game at the time. I know if you look at it now, it looks awfully dated, but at the time, it was amazing. It was. It's the only Bond game I can think of that's actually any good. Even like the, the, there's a Wii U remake of GoldenEye, which is awful. Oh, I remember it. It was terrible. Yeah, because <laughs> the, 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 fir- the first level, the first area of the first level starts exactly the same as the N64 version, but then completely changes and it has nothing to do with the film or the original game. It's just completely bafflingly bad. <laughs> yeah, so bad I can't even say bafflingly. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you another shot of that one. Yeah, bafflingly. There we go. <laughs> Number two, uh, again, intro game for the N64 for me, Mario 64. I'd been a massive 2D platformer fan. Uh, Sonic, Mario were were my jam as a younger boy. And then getting Mario 64, going up to the 3D game. It it was kind of one of the first real instances of playing a 3D game for me. Having the N64 and then having that Mario, like I said, it's the first game I had. And uh, just great little bit getting my head around the fact that there isn't really power-ups in it you know you've been used to power-ups in mario and there isn't really in the same way like the flower flower or you you had like your 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 metal skin your wing cap yeah but it doesn't i mean it wasn't like they were in every level and Mm. there wasn't like the size change so there's no mushroom so you got bigger and it it was a whole different way of playing mario which obviously the, the 3d games don't really do anymore but the 2d games still do well, I must admit, when being a PlayStation lad at the time, walking past the front of Argos and seeing the N64 in the window there, I was incredibly jealous of Mario 64. Yeah, it was a great game. Just, yeah, just really nicely done. Again, looks dated now, but it's still very, very fun to play. And then I think to say that this is number one on my list, I mean, this is pretty much number one on everyone's list that anyone that's ever played a game from this generation will say, or any generation afterwards. Plus, knowing you as I do, I can probably guess what that game is. Yes, uh, The Legend of Zelda uh, (laughs) Ocarina of Time. Just an epic game. The jump from 2D to 3D, again, it was good with Mario, it was excellent with Zelda. I'd I'd spent a lot of time on A Link to the Past, and I spent an awful lot of time on Ocarina of Time. And what's really disappointing is I, I've still got my original N64, but I don't have my original copy of Zelda. I lent it to someone that I'm not in contact with anymore. Ooh. So she's got my copy of Zelda that had my completed save file on it. Well, I suspect you know who you are out there. If you do hear this, we I've still got her as a friend on Facebook, so I, I, one day I might stalk her <laughs> for it. Because uh, she has had it the best part of like 15, 20 years. So. But... Yeah, I just, it was an immense game. The Dark Link, the Water Temple, that everyone seems to hate, but I didn't actually think that was that bad. Um, <laughs> just, oh, it's, it was just an amazing game. And I I, bought, I now watch people speedrun that um, to an ex- insane extent. There's now a skip from the first dungeon to the final boss, which is crazy. And so again, you complete the game in like, nine minutes or whatever it is yep yeah that's it's not right <laughs> but yeah i just for me ocarina of time if at the end of this we do a best game of all time that's going to be in my top two games nice 
Well, I don't know if we're doing an all-time <laughs> list at the end of this. We will decide yes. as and when we come to it. You'll come to know, ladies and gentlemen, this is a professional show we do things yes. properly here. Well, we, future shows will be professional. This was kind of more of a you get used to us and you... Uh, you get like you get used to us, and you get you, used to what we like. You deal with it. You deal with it. Because at the end of the day, if you don't agree with our choices in these games, that's fine. You are allowed your own opinion, and we 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 will argue our cases, and we will happily accept anyone else's. If you pick Mansion of Hidden Souls for the sake of Saturn, I will slap you because that game was awful. But I, I brought that for forty pounds from Electronics Boutique in Nottingham, and took it back the following day because it took me an hour and twenty six minutes to complete. I was like twelve. No, I must have been older than that. I'm 14 or whatever. But it was just an hour and a half to complete a £40 game. And this is a man who enjoys Night Trap. Oh, I love Night Trap. <laughs> See, this is we didn't cover the Mega CD. And I probably should have in, my, in, my, um, in that era. They're awful games. But Night Trap and Ground Zero Texas actually probably deserve honourable mentions for that time because they were video capture games. Well, Night Trap was banned in some countries. Yeah. Being so horrifically violent. And and it's like Night Trap, if you look into the, the, the history of it, it was actually recorded five years before it was released. The footage was sat there because they wanted to release it, but they didn't actually have the technology to be able to release it in the way they wanted to. So, um, yeah, I probably should have mentioned those earlier. But, yeah, Night Trap and Ground Zero Texas, for me, were awesome games. Um, yeah, definitely worth a, a, a cheeky look at. <laughs> But yeah, so that that's that's my list. Now now prepare for the ongoing list of never endingness that is Ian's Indeed. But but by all means, pause this episode, go make yourself a cup of tea, <laughs> relocate yourself to an armchair, and prepare to hear my dulcet tones for probably the next half an hour now's, talking now's about the, my favourite games from the PlayStation. Now's era. the time to go and take the sleeping pill. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're sitting comfortably, then I shall begin. You didn't give them long enough to make a cup of tea. I assume they know how to pause. And if well, they don't know how to pause, well, they've brought this upon themselves. That's fair enough. This is good tea-making information right here as well. This was genuinely a very, very tough list to break down to just three. Uh, I'm going to go through my three, but then the, the bit that may take a bit more time is my honourable mentions after it, because there are far, far too many to get into a top three, and... By all means, as I go through this, I may remember more and add them to the list of honourable mentions. So, yeah, this is this is going to take a little bit of a while. So, to start with, at number three for me, uh, one we've already heard from, actually, uh, GoldenEye. Again, th- th- this was the first proper, for me, first-person shooter on a console. So, you know, I'd, I'd grown up playing the likes of Doom and Wolfenstein on a PC... The, co- the consoles didn't really have anything to match that up until this point. They, they didn't seem to be able to handle it. The joypads weren't really built for first-person shooters. Whereas the bizarre monstrosity that is the N64 pad was somehow perfect for Goldeneye. It's not the prettiest looking thing, but it is actually a very good controller. You, you, you can imagine it was originally designed to hurt a man rather than to be a controller. But it was, like I said, it, that, that four-player split-screen first-person shooter that you couldn't get on any other console. I, I remember being around a friend's house and we'd hook it up to two TVs. We'd put cardboard across the top of one and across the bottom of the other so you couldn't screen-watch each other in Team Deathmatch. Nice. And, you know, you'd be playing that well into the early hours, especially with Golden Gun or Slappers in a... What was it? Was it the facility? Yeah, the facility. <laughs> Randomly, the uh, 
the Egyptian looking zone towards the end of the, the maps that wasn't in Golden Eye. Often like Baron Samdi stuff. And yeah. Whatever, yes. Because that was all the, the, the bonus levels at the end. And that, that was another thing that the fact that you had cheats you could unlock by achieving certain challenges throughout the game, such as, you know, Big Head Mode and Golden Gun and what have you. And yeah, it, it was just absolutely mind-blowing for the time to be able to jump off that dam like you saw Pierce Brosnan do in, admittedly, an outdated-looking James Bond film, <laughs> or driving a tank through town and destroying everything in your way. It was, from start to finish, an amazing spectacle, even when you were just dropping down onto somebody on the toilet and ruining their lunch break. It was a great game. So you're telling me that uh, GoldenEye isn't one of your favourite Bond films anymore, then? I mean, it's still good, but you look at it now, and my word, <laughs> you can tell they spent at least £10.50 on the budget. <laughs> at least. <laughs> Speaking of low budget, we go for low budget acting now for my number two spot from Resident Evil 2. Ooh. <laughs> You'll probably learn as this whole thing goes on, if it does go on, which I'm sure it will, that I am a big, big fan of horror games. And it all started for me with Resident Evil 2. I never actually got to play Resident Evil 1 because I was a little late into the game with, with PlayStation, and so I kind of missed that one, but I was very aware of that notorious intro to the game. Yeah, the the FMV dog video. Absolutely. Chasing you into the mansion. Uh, yeah, I, I did have uh, Resident Evil 1. I guess this is where the couple of months advantage on you comes in. <laughs> but yeah, I, I had Resident Evil 1. Although, uh, I, I'm I'm in, I'm in the school of I didn't complete 1, whereas I did 2. Yeah. Um, two, I, I agree. I think 2 was a much better game. I think I like the... Although it wasn't open world, it was it just seemed to be more open world and a much larger game. Yeah, so so with Resident Evil One you spent the entire time inside the the grounds of a mansion in the Arkley Mountains, whereas Resident Evil Two was set in the city of Raccoon City itself. So you started off outdoors in the streets where you could see cars on fire, you could see general carnage around the city. You you could you could see that you were in a city that was in trouble rather than an isolated mansion. Until, of course, you got to the police station and then you kind of were trapped in the police station for a while and it became the new mansion. But I, I, I genuinely love the atmosphere they managed to create with, let's be honest, quite blocky characters, but really beautifully designed backgrounds. The, 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 the pre-rendered backgrounds of that game were incredible and the soundtrack that went with it was absolutely bone-chilling. I loved it to pieces. Throw into that the, the fact that you had two different playable characters that had their own path through the game, which actually ended up turning into four different playthroughs of the game. So you, you, your two main characters were Leon and Claire, Leon being a new rookie recruit to the Raccoon Police Department and Claire being the sister of the main character from the first game. So you, you'd play through Leon's story. Every now and then he would meet up with Claire, they'd interact and they'd go on their way you would then play Claire's perspective on that story. So you could see the bits where they weren't together, their whole story would then interweave through that. But then if you started the game as Claire, it actually took the game into a slightly different path than when you started as Leon. And then playing again as Leon, you'd play almost a different game as Leon. Overall, the story beats were quite similar, but there was just those little changes that really got you to play it for that second, third, fourth time each time you went through. But no, it was an absolutely fantastic game my first proper introduction into survival horror and also the uh the, the first time i believe you could play as tofu in a game 
Absolutely the first time he could play as Tobin in a game. Which I was very pleased to see made it into the Resident Evil 2 remake as yes. well. What a what a fantastic thing to, to Tofu with fans. a knife. You were a piece of tofu with a <laughs> knife that changed colour as you took damage. Yep, and you couldn't take much damage. <laughs> Not at all. Admittedly, <laughs> you were tofu. Not sure how many zombies particularly want to eat it, but... No, the nutritional value of tofu <laughs> to zombies is uh, probably minimal. So then, of course, we have to roll on to my favourite game from the PlayStation era. Now... As well as being a big fan of horror games, I'm a big fan of my RPGs. So, the next two words out of my mouth probably won't surprise you. That's your boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> Three generations before it even came out, a pigeon dating simulator is what I've chosen. No. Instead, Final Fantasy. Now, on... PS1, there were three Final Fantasy, 7, 8, and 9. Number 7 being my, to be honest, probably my introduction into RPGs in general. I'd never really given them the time of day before that. But it wasn't my favourite out of the three that came out. My favourite was Final Fantasy 9. So this was one of the last games, well, the, one of the last big games to come out on the PlayStation 1. Uh, it came out in 2001, I believe, uh, quite early in that year. Compared to Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII before it, it was less about realistic-ish settings, less cyberpunk. It was back to being a proper fantasy game, like the, well, like the early Final Fantasies were. And it had an oddly endearing cast of characters, which, again, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, they had their characters, they were a bit angsty, they were a bit odd. This kind of leaned into the odd and the whole fantasy thing. To the point that your your main character had a tail and was named after French footballer Zinedine Zidane. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was this. It, it wasn't just you know the cast characters. It was the world around them as well. That the whole world was delight to travel around. It was again proper like old school fantasy mixed with a little bit of science fiction in there. So you had like these large castle-like cities with airship docks stuck on them, which you wouldn't expect to see. Possibly the most famous character to come out of this was Vivi. He looked like a fairly standard black mage from the old Final Fantasy games, but he was essentially supposed to be a child, a kind of fabricated being who had a very short time to live. And it was one of those things where he was like, this character he absolutely loved to use, but you knew he was going to die. And it was just, <laughs> it was just really tragic to see his story play out. But just the additional things they threw into the game as well, like the, the whole things with treasure hunting in the Chocobo Forest to get yourself a flying Chocobo so you could deliver mail to weird little flying cats with bobbles on their heads, to eventually fight a giant bouncy ball called Ozma who could destroy you all in moments, should he wish to. Very bizarre, yet weirdly endearing, and I loved absolutely every second of it. Yeah, we've had this discussion personally before, but I played Final Fantasy VII for about an hour, turned it off and never played it again. I didn't like it. Not because of the game or the setting, and uh, you're much of a bigger RPG fan than I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, for those, there's a discussion whether, I, I guess, that Zelda is it a proper RPG or not. In that sense, to me it is, but I, I'm not a massive RPG fan, although I love Zelda's. But yeah, Final Fantasy got me with its turn-based combat. 
I'd spent years playing Zelda's and then I get to the point where oh I have a go and now I'm going to stand here while you have a go and then I'll have a go and then I'm going to stand here while you have a go yeah it wasn't for me so that that kind of put me off Final Fantasy 7 oh, I, I really nine, like that it was, a, it was a polite way to do to do battles it's yeah, well it's uh, each to their own and don't get me wrong I've got absolutely nothing against anyone that does like a Final Fantasy it's just it wasn't for me um, yes but no I mean I, I completely understand your uh, I mean, you've not really covered a Zelda yet, if at all. No. Um, and uh, like Zelda's been pretty much on all my lists. So. That, that will be coming in the next episode. Well, there you <laughs> Yes, this is uh, for a later period. But yeah, so um, you've got honourable mentions, which I've, I've just oh, realised I've got an honourable mention actually for the PlayStation. Then I shall let which you Which I didn't ahead. mention. Um, I, I, I did mention it because I didn't think of it at the time. Abe's Odyssey. Oh, um, when I had my PS1, it, I, we had a four-pack of games with it. I think it was Ridge Racer, um, what, Crash Bandicoot 1, um, t- possibly Tekken. What's Tekken was the fighter at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, so probably the original Tekken. Um, and I, to be quite honest with you, I can't remember the fourth game. Um, but it also had a demo disc with it. And the demo disc, one of the games on the demo disc was Abe's Odyssey. And that was the game that went, right, that's the first game I'm actually going to buy on the disc that I'm choosing. And I just wrote, just the, uh, follow me. Uh. <laughs> it was just, oh, it was a great little platformer, puzzle platformer. I just, it was it was funny. You, you could make him fart and burp and say hello and goodbye and stay. And yeah, I, I just like that as a little puzzle platformer. That was a nice little game. Well, of course, they, they did recently announce there is going to be a new Aves Odyssey game coming out. Yes. So I assume you'll be investing in that? Um, probably. Uh, I mean, you, you see how many video games there this are is, in this, this room. Um, <laughs> I need to catch up on. I do have a little bit of a collection going on. Um, when I say a little bit, it's it's a little bit of an obsession. This is partly where it's led to this podcast, with our obsession with gaming. But, uh, yeah, it probably will be on my list for the, uh, the, the upcoming consoles. Nice. Okay, yeah, your honourable mentions. Oh, yeah, so... One you've already kind of touched on with an earlier generation was Mario Kart. Mario Kart 64. Yes. What an incredible game that was. So th- th- this was like first proper 3D foray in- into Mario Kart. And I, admittedly, it's not a game that I own myself. It's another one of these games where I went to a friend's house and we would play it in to the wee early hours of the morning. Like classic stages like Wario Stadium where annoyingly they knew this little shortcut where you could kind of jump over a wall and skip half of the uh, half the track in one go. Yep. But it, it was one of those things where it would frustrate you, it would annoy you. I mean, everyone knows about blue leader shells. But you'd still love it regardless. It would repeatedly beat you down, but you'd keep going back for more. I don't remember Blue Leader Shows being that much of a problem in Mario Kart 64 as they are now. Yes. It's, uh, I did, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a great game. Uh, I love that. Again, I, the original Mario Kart was on the list before for me. So. so sticking with Mario, there was also Mario Golf. Mario Golf? I don't think I ever had the pleasure. Oh, so I am a little bit of a fan of golf games. You know, I like the PGA games, I like the Everybody's Golf games, and that kind of started with Mario Golf on the N64. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a golf game with Mario characters that had no right to be as good as it actually was. I mean, it's one of those things with the, the, the Mario games that aren't Mario games, like tennis and Strikers. superstar soccer yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> and... Uh, 
yeah, some of them are really bad, but some of them are, are quite good. The golf one I never never really came across. Is there one currently on the Switch? I don't believe there is a Mario Golf game. I don't think there is. No, there oh. hasn't been a golf one in a while. Is it Tennis is the latest one that's around, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And then there was Toadstool Tour back on the GameCube. I think it was probably the last one. But at some point, we'll have to get you to play that. Yes. Uh, so, carrying on with these honourable mentions, just very quickly, I'll throw Final Fantasy VII and VIII in there because it was a tough choice between the three. I've yeah, already okay. mentioned them, but I'm going to skip on past there. Metal Gear Solid. I did play Metal Gear Solid. It wasn't something I played straight away. I remember um, originally playing this, actually, I think when it came out back in 1998, and it was quite possibly the most cinematic game I'd ever played in my life. I mean, you talk about you know playing games as oh, like a movie. This was a blooming movie. <laughs> yeah. Not just because the cutscenes were about half an hour long, of course, but it just had that incredible production value to it and Hideo Kojima's trademark weirdness that just re- really had that like, little cherry on the top of this game So it was a classic for a reason, was it? Yeah, and a large part of that reason is because it was absolutely balmy yeah. uh, absolutely batshit mental and it, it's a theme that carried on into every other Metal Gear game after that, which we may allude to in a future episode Yeah, quite possibly Go on, how and far then, down your list are you? We're on the last one now, we're on the last one. I, I I couldn't do a PlayStation list without mentioning the original Silent Hill. Silent Hill for me was the absolute peak of survival horror gaming. That is when it genuinely became terrifying to play. <laughs> Especially with like the later games like Silent Hill 2 and 3, where the graphics were better, the sound was better, and it really got into your head and terrified you. But it all started with that game on the PlayStation. And it's one that I, I played with a friend. Uh, so I played through it on my own, but I played with it with a friend, and he had to keep stopping for stress breaks. <laughs> it's it's uh, Yeah, I, I'm like that with horror. Because um, uh, you love a horror game. Mm-hmm. I do not like a horror game. <laughs> and it's not because I, I don't like them. Um, the... There's there's a point. I played Resident Evil. I played the original Silent Hill. I think I played Silent Hill 1 and 2. Um, and back in the PS1 days, I could play those. I, I used to love... Um, there was a horror game on the Saturn called D. I think it was on the PS1 as well, but I had it on the Saturn. Um, yeah, called D. And that was... Your dad had gone a bit psycho and killed a lot of people in the hospital. And then when you walked into the hospital... Um, you were transported into like a, a, a terrifying land, kind of Silent Hill style, I guess. Yeah, like, like their other um, world. Yeah, and I, I loved that game. And horror games I could play mm. until they got realistic. Well, I, I think the thing that Silent Hill nailed was the use of sound. Yes. The, the, the use of like the music and the sound effects to really, really unnerve you. Even like simple things like the, the use of that air raid siren to let you know when the world was changing. But just having like the little background noises as well, like the little whispers, the little clanks of metal. Yeah, I remember being a bit behind the sofa while I was playing it. But <laughs> like I say, back in those days, I could play that kind of thing. Whereas now, yeah, I've got Resident Evil Seven, and I can't play it. I've got. I'm a big fan of the Alien series, but I can't play Alien Isolation because it just. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't do it. And uh, you laugh at me for this, but yeah, I, I, there's games I want to play, but I just can't because I would just 
die of a heart attack somewhere. Well, maybe one day if we take this whole thing into Twitch or YouTube, I can I can sit with you as you play through and coach. Yeah, that's not something I want to happen. <laughs> For I'm going to need reasons. a lot of whiskey. <laughs> well, we'll build some kind of support group around you. We'll we'll get you through a horror game. So uh, I guess this is where we'll end part one because that's roughly been somewhere. Um, kind of podcast size that we, we've got to in length. Yeah, we, we've um, reached the halfway point of our list yes. as well. It seems a natural stopping point for us. So there'll be the, uh, the the PS2 era, the PS3 era, and then the PS4 era. There are Xbox and other Nintendo consoles in those times. But Indeed, other console brands are available. Yes, um, whether you want to play them or not, it's up to you. <laughs> Why you'd want an Xbox, I don't know. Uh, I, I, that, I'm that, that's that's I'm the joking. third of the audience gone. Oh, well, no, 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 I'm joking. We, we both own both consoles. Uh, we both have a favourite, uh, and they are the same favourite, but we do both own both consoles. But in fact, we also own a Switch as well. So Indeed. we've got, we've currently, we, we, we are fairly well stocked in the, the current gaming market. Yes, indeed, sir. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. And uh, with part two, we will do the rest of said gaming eras. Indeed, and if those of you out there are still awake after my my long list of honourable mentions, then uh, thank you for listening to us, and we shall see you in episode two. We shall see you in episode two. Oh, by the way, we we should mention, so again, we are are Anthony and the uh, two Brit gamers, because we've said this several times and got it wrong. leading up to the, the first actual podcast. I'm glad we're able to re-record an entire hour to uh, to get that correct. <laughs> yeah, well well yeah. done on getting that right first um, time. So yeah, we are the two Brit Gamers. Uh, and if you would like to get in touch with us, because we set up a Twitter, because we're that far advanced in our technological... We are. We are future people. Yes. Uh, the, the middle-aged ruffians that we are. Um, so we are um, at two Brit Gamers. Uh, no spaces, no hyphens. That's two, the number two. The number two. Brit Gamers. Brit Gamers. Uh, on Twitter, if you'd like to follow us and contact us, do so there. There will be other forms available eventually. I mean, we might go on the TikToks or the uh, the Instagrams. <laughs> Ian laughs at me for being old every time I say the. Indeed. But I just do it for comical we, we, value. We'd look up some more social media stuff on the Google if we could. The Google. <laughs> not, not, the, not the Ash Jeeves. <laughs> the Yahoo. <laughs> or the... Uh, the um, what was the MSM one? Bing? No, that's the current one. What was the oh. old one? I think it was just MSN, wasn't it? It might have just been, yeah, Microsoft Network. But anyway, we appear to be rambling now. We do. But, uh, yes, do do follow us on yes. Twitter. And uh, if you liked this episode, uh, whichever... Like, subscribe. Form, yeah, well, whatever it is you are listening on, if they have a form of liking and reviewing... Do, Send do, us money via PayPal. Do, do please like and review us favourably. If you didn't like this episode, uh, please pretend you never heard it and don't bring our ratings yes down. at least at least give us four stars <laughs> but no thank you very much for listening and we shall see you again next time yes which is about five minutes time for us don't ruin the illusion <laughs> hey.